up Knives Down. Get ready for a plate full of snapshots and join us as we take a bite out of the Little Apple. I am your host, Katie Weavy. And I am Becky Goff, and this is Little Apple Bites Podcast. Today, we have Doug Barrett, owner of 400 North Creative, joining us for our podcast. Welcome, Doug. We're so happy to have you here today. Hello, ladies. How are you? Doing well. Under the weather, but good. Right, yeah. along. Making it work. Yep. Kansas weather. Exactly. So, Doug, we ask everyone that comes in, this has been our standard starting question for every guest that we've had, and that is, what makes the Little Apple special to you? And it usually throws everybody off. Uh, It's now my place of home. Um, Post-military, I set up here and this December, I think 13 years. So this is now home for me. Um, why did I stay? Uh, it was a great community, um, smaller than what I was used to, but, uh, I was drawn to that. I like the small, um, it's kind of cliche, but it kind of references where my mindset is now in my current work. But, uh, yeah, this is home. So I'm a Southern guy from Georgia and now call Kansas home. So why did I stay? It's because this is now home. Um, as easy as that yeah that's awesome how would you say how did this become home tell us a little bit about that background moving here Mm -hmm. so fort riley was my last stop in the military and uh 2014 march 31st would be my 10 years out and uh once i got out at that time was married uh now divorced uh but raised my two kids here um started my business here you know after getting out of the military, I was working in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I gave all that up and decided to go full-time in my business, it was no looking back. So yeah, here I am. This is, uh, this is it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting to me. Uh, 400 North Creative, obviously, it's your photography business. And it's interesting to go from military to cybersecurity to an amazing photography business. How does that, how did that transition come about? Yeah, full transparency. Uh, 2018, I was working uh, remote in cybersecurity in Chicago. And I've kind of told this story a few times, but um, it was when I was in Chicago working on my homeless veteran project, mm-hmm. documenting U.S. homeless veterans in all 50 states. And in Chicago, I had finished up a, a corporate meeting all day and was walking around with my camera around my neck and uh, ended up meeting my first homeless veteran and got his story and shared his narrative and realized what I was doing was just photography and wanted to share this awesome narrative of what I had initially perceived um, that we all do um, mm-hmm. until I, you know, went deeper in my heart and, you know, tried to have compassion for this individual and heard his story and was like, oh my God, like I totally judge this individual. And um, from that moment, you know, we were coming into 2019 and I've been doing the project a year and COVID hit, you yeah. know, and the world stopped and kind of transitioned into kind of the civil unrest and what COVID was looking like in rural America. And that's just one thing kind of led to the next and just kept going. So, um, that was kind of around the time I would say 2018 officially is when I started the business, but I was doing the work before mm-hmm. just kind of made it official. Um, but that's kind of how everything got started. And uh, once COVID happened, I was already working in the remote world for a couple of years prior yeah. to that. So 
it just made sense. Um, and I just kind of went forward from there. So, yeah, very nice. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, the homeless veteran project. And, uh, if you haven't seen your work, Doug's work, it is incredibly awesome. And it's, uh, it's really cool to see how it's it's not just photos, it's not just photography, it's telling somebody's story, it's giving somebody a voice. Um, and so I'm curious how you kind of found your uh, niche with that. I know that you talked about like you were po- you were military, um, kind of how you got into that. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I guess to give context, 400 North is the highway in Georgia that I used to drive up and down as a police okay. officer. Um, and I remember I was like, one day if I ever start a business, I'm calling it 400 North. Originally it was, uh, highway 19, kind of like Bill Snyder highway or mm-hmm. 177. Um, so in all things creative, uh, 400 North photo writing, photography, the artistic vision that I bring, um, it's kind of what I put into the work. Um, but also, you know, the homeless veteran project, it didn't start off as a project, it just started off as me as a photographer doing what we do, yeah. you know, you guys understand that, you know, uh, it was just documenting a story or telling a story, sharing, and social wasn't in the reels mindset that it is now. Um, it was, you know, I, I believe more uh, photographic uh, forward. So I just, I shared, and I was like, well, I'll just share these stories because me as a veteran, I was like, oh, this individual's drunk, homeless, whatever, and then when I heard his story and he shared, his name was Leo, you know, he shared he was a former firefighter and Marine, and um, it led into, oh, my goodness, I want to find at least three stories of homeless yeah. veterans in each state. And then I started, again, when I was remote, I was able to travel and move around and do my work professionally, but then also find these stories. Um, so as I was traveling, I hit 17 states that first year, 75 total veterans, um, and then just continued to share. And then that momentum built to people wanting to help and do more and mm-hmm. <clears throat> kind of just kind of went down that path of, I don't know where this is going. Now, I guess this is a project, a body of work. Um, and now that we're, some of that works in the permanent collection at the Beach Museum of Art. Um, a couple of the homeless veterans um, that I had met in, de- in that time period. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And you've actually been recognized for this project, haven't you? Like, wasn't weren't you a guest on some... I was. Thing. There was a lot that happened from that, uh, <laughs> from the beach, uh, giving accolades, which I, I I will hold dear, near and dear to my heart that that work will be in a permanent collection, that uh, those stories will forever be told, um, and that history will be uh, permanently curated and preserved. But I think the biggest honor that I believe, for me, that I got from that recognition was uh, Fort Riley honored me during the... Oh, man, what is it called? What do they do every year with the, not heroes, local heroes? Uh, I should know this. Um, Anyway, during the time Major General D.A. Sims was here, he brought me and presented to the command staff of the military and wanted to hear the stories that I had done um, to help change the narrative of exiting soldiers to get out to use where these individuals and their stories were living to better help transition military soldiers to get out because I believe that that is the 
onset that mm -hmm. could possibly make major change to a lot of individuals getting out because most soldiers get in and they do 20 years, 15 years, and you're indoctrinated um, and you don't understand the civilian world when you get out um, and you almost have to be reconditioned to live a civilian life. Um, and many of them struggle and they don't, they don't have the uh, knowledge or skill set to be alone because you've been told what to do and controlled for so long that uh, many of them fall. Um, so to be able to speak to leadership um, at his level and for him to put me on a platform with other local veteran heroes doing cool things in the community, uh, to me that is the highest honor because now I know that that work can be used to kind of help make some change. Yeah. Um, and then when I kind of get back going on that project, I'll pick up where I left off. Absolutely. Um, and you said, so how many states, how many veterans in total have you reached? 17 states, 17. and it was at least 75 veterans because I hit New York uh, twice, uh, and I think I had found 10, 12, mm -hmm. in Boston another 12. Um, so out of that 17 states, I can't do the math in my head, but that's a good amount, you know, and yeah. obviously to hit all 50 is the end goal, so that might be a lifelong body of work, but again, that narrative, I mean, it's not going to be fixed overnight. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for me, uh, as I was getting out of the military, one of the jobs that I was doing within my last couple of months was helping out in the military arms room, and you could see the inventory list of unused equipment. And just in my one unit at Fort Riley, there's a little over $200 million of unused equipment. And then I got my brain thinking during that time period, I was like, oh my goodness, like if every unit mm -hmm. at Fort Riley under the four brigades, five brigades, whatever it is now, um, had that excess times every army base in the U.S., times every military base in the U.S., that's billions of dollars. And right. if there was a percentage of that that would be able to go into fixing homelessness for veterans, we could cure this pretty quickly. So, again, just my path, my journey, and what I had in front of me, I was trying to use to help educate people. Mm -hmm. um, but then also that you have real individuals out there that – have real everyday struggles just like yeah. you and I. So they're no different than us. We were just one opportunity away from that. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely important, I think, to give those people a voice. And not only have you done the Homeless Veterans Project, but you've also, uh, you spoke about it a little bit in 2020, um, a lot of uh, marginalized groups and protests and, um, there's a lot of work that you've done with that. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your photography with protests and how yeah. that? <clears throat> yeah, sure. So, um, again, that was on the heels of COVID and mm -hmm. what did COVID look like? And I'll never forget, it was like during that time period, everybody was trying to get credentials in the journalism world to be yeah. able to go out and document what is COVID, what is lockdown, you know, what do you mean we can't leave our houses, you know, until we're told. And right. um, so on that photojournalistic side, it was understanding what did that look like. But then also we were in the volatile times of the George Floyd uh, murder mm -hmm. and, you know, the protests were happening and the burnings were happening all across America. Um, as a photo photojournalist, you know, when you put that hat on, you know, you want to be in the fight. You want to you want to see and document um and a mentor, Jim Richardson, local Kansas photographer. You know, again, I've kind of said this, you know, he was 
uh, telling me and other colleagues, you know, go small, you know, photograph what that looks like in your own backyard. You don't necessarily have to be right in the in the burning cities mm-hmm. uh, per se. Um, so again, I was again already documenting Yuma Street and its history of segregation and mm-hmm. what that looked like in 2020 and what the people uh, of the black marginalized community on Yuma Street was experiencing uh, during that time period versus, you know, you had this one notion of uh, white America was dealing with COVID and many of the blacks during this time didn't really care. It was, okay, George Floyd was murdered in the street. You know, we are not too far from that in our own lives and respectively uh, we want to voice our our voices in, in a, in a, in, a, in a way that lets people know that we too could be George Floyd, mm-hmm. um, myself, a similar situation. Um, so again, it's, it's everyday life for us. So I wanted to show what these people were going through because I'm your neighbor. We live in the same town, yeah. but we experience things very differently. So showing that, you know, led to the, the George Floyd work, the protest work, you know, working with publications during that time period to, again, still trying to figure out what what COVID was uh, early on in 2020. Um, So then again, you know, you hit your protest, you're documenting, and then uh, the image that I made in Junction City, you know, I guess, front page of Time Magazine, and then end of the year, top photos for Time. Uh, So it was cool that the narrative and the advice and, I guess, being wise, you know, just going small and I'm documenting military veterans and families and what that looks like in Manhattan Junction City. Uh, an editor saw it and wanted to put it in the magazine. And so yeah. that stardom, I guess, uh, kind of gave me a name in the uh, the Manhattan community and kind of gone from there. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I was say, you mentioned, you know, you've been in so many states and also now you've you know, recognized in the Time magazine, like what, you know, you've got all these opportunities, like you were on BBC as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what makes you stay in Manhattan? Like, would there not be opportunities in bigger cities for you? I mean, you know, what, what keeps you here? Uh, Number one, my daughter's here. My daughter's mom and I work together, uh, co-parenting our four-year-old, almost five-year-old. Um, so number one, her. Right. Um, number two, I think the reality, I kind of put my Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors hat on and, you know, cost <laughs> of living is cheaper here than many other places. Um, okay. It is expensive to live here, but in reality to other places like Atlanta and some of the major cities, um, you're going to go everywhere and you're going to have the same challenges. So either you're going to put your gloves on, pull your boots up and figure out how you can make change in your area and make it better. Or you're just forever going to be traveling and moving until you can get to that place. Um, so for me, I'm just, I'll stay here and embed myself here in Manhattan and uh, do my best. Gotcha. Makes sense. I yeah. mean, my kiddos are here too, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've joked with them that I'll be here till you graduate, and then mom might have to go on some adventures. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've said the same thing. Once my my kids get out of high school, I'll I'll do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, for now, we are glad that you decided to stay in rural America. <laughs> Definitely. <Yeah. laughs> um. I also kind of wanted to say, uh, I think. I want to encourage everyone listening that um, if you haven't seen his work with Yuma Street and um, the protests and 
uh, homeless veterans, I really encourage you to go out and look at his work and uh, see what's out there because it's not it's not just pictures. Um, it is telling a story and you have background on those photos. Um, but I think that in today's world, so many people like the iPhones have incredible cameras in them and everyone thinks, oh, like I have a camera, I have an iPhone and, you know, take those Instagram pictures. But I think that there's something different about what you do, which is you can kind of freeze a moment in time. It's it's a very specific talent, I think, to be a photographer versus an Instagram picture taker. Sure. Um, did you, I guess... Uh, there's there like a time you realized you had that gift or you had that talent and kind of ran with it or? No, I don't think there was. I think just for me, like I'm an 82 baby, so that gives my age away. But (laughs) uh, I grew up where I remember my dad, uh, again, uh, middle-class America and a black where I grew up with, uh, blacks and whites, you know, it was a, cookie cutter neighborhood everybody had picket fences so I would consider my life and my upbringing middle-class American and my dad had a VHS camera and every holiday every event he was taking pictures on his film camera Mm -hmm. or the VHS so I grew up with an understanding and seeing his photo books um, that it was a way of recording time Mm -hmm. Um, and again I remember going off to college uh, in 2001 my mom got a gateway 2000 computer and I wanted a webcam to be able to take digital photographs um, because that was the time period I remember digital was coming on board from film so I've kind of always wanted to document times and it's cool that you can have hundreds of thousands of photos on your phone Mm -hmm. um, versus my generation if you didn't develop your own film you didn't really have a record of it so I think doing that is really what it is but then also again understanding uh, on the technical side, what makes a good photograph, um, yeah. whether it's words, whether it's just the photograph itself, um, whether it's the light, whether it's the color, um, composition, you can get in all kinds of technical things. Right. But ultimately, as long as you're proud of the work that you're making um, and that you stand for that work, then I think it can live on. And there will be technical things that you can adjust and manipulate to make a photograph better. But you know, when you talk about rural America, there's so many cool things that happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during that early protest uh, time period, it was the coasts were having things happen weeks ahead of when they were happening in rural America. Yeah. Um, so it was, how do, how do I make something that's different than what they have, but in my own way in rural America? So um, in that, you know, a lot of the work that I do is in black and white, whether that's film or a monochrome camera mm-hmm. um, or just color you know it just it's whatever I feel I don't really so I don't have a specific way about going about doing things it's just really what I feel when I'm making that work okay uh, what would you say is the work that you're most proud of the work that I'm most proud of um, so currently I've got working permanent collections at the Ulrich the Beach Museum of Art, mm-hmm. and the Mulvane, most recently. Um, so those work, that work that's tied to those stories, I'm proud of that mm-hmm. those narratives, uh, along with those photographs, will live on in museum um, collections. Um, and then my current body of work, Ghost of the Plains, which is documenting uh, 
black Kansas cowboys and black farmers and the disparities that they undergo um, through the dichotomy of what that looks like in, in white agriculture, you know, where there's millions of dollars in it, but then a group of people that are still fighting systems and barriers to do the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so it, again, it started off as just making photographs post COVID and it's turned into almost two years of a body of work. So, um, that current body of work along with those others. Um, and then what I do behind the scenes with my kids, you know, just taking yeah. photographs of them, uh, again, proud of those moments that I get to cherish for them. Um, so it's amazing. So we've talked a lot about what you've done. Is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you feel would be important for the community to know to be able to understand you and your work? No, I think, <clears throat> I think, I guess, hmm, that's a good question. I think my, my aim is to, I guess, let's go back. Being a Kansas photographer, following in the footsteps of in the likes of Gordon Parks, uh, Aline Wong at the beach when she curated my uh, Find My Voice exhibition with Gordon Parks. She said, Doug, you know, you look at what Gordon Parks said. He uses the camera as a tool to fight against the things that he hated, which is segregation, racism, and poverty. Mm -hmm. And then you look at 50, 60 years later, I'm doing the same thing with the camera in terms of segregation on Yuma Street, uh, the poverty, the homeless veterans, and then you look at the uh, the racism with the George Floyd and the protest time period. I'm kind of doing the same thing, and I didn't realize it until she said it, um, but it's just I'm documenting kind of the same things, and uh, what, I, what I'm trying to do is use what I do to help bridge the gap for all cultures, all races, all people to be able to see uh, that we all have the same challenges uh, just in our own unique way. So yeah. um, to be able to educate through what I do, um, I'm trying to do a better job with social media and getting more work out there. But I'm also focusing more on the work because you all understand that you can focus so much of social media and the reels and the and the postings and the likes and the and the and the metrics that you can mm -hmm. be lost in that and not focused on the story that you're receiving or the opportunity or the access that you're given to speak to someone or hear someone's story. Um, so I've taken this past year, uh, all of 2023, I didn't post any work. I'm recently just starting to post now. So um, just trying to continue to share what I'm doing. So I think I got it all out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think that that's awesome. And um, I kind of want to touch on that because also in your bio on your website, there's a sentence that says, um, relationships create change, which is a catalyst to the world we want to see. And I think that that is so important. And I think that that's a big part of what you do as well as you're meeting these people, you're creating relationships and that's creating change. Um, I think that that's often something that is forgotten in today's society and, uh, you know, having to work from home and just now coming back to that and you know being out it's I think relationships are so much more important than people realize um how do you think that relationships um and that kind of revelation has shaped your work I think in in order to make the change we want to see you have to step out of your own comfort zone um 
because yeah. change is change is, in, is inevitable where we're in an AI world. Yeah. Um, but if we continue to do the same thing over and over, we're not going to improve. You yeah. know, when we fall, when we have a trial, when we have a, a, a tribulation, it's when you learn because, oh, my God, that happened. That didn't go as planned. What do I do? Oh, my God, as a parent, crap, I'm not doing a good job with my kids and doing this. And, okay, I need to be better. Something happened. So the outcome changes me and my thinking to be better, to improve. Um, so I think in that same way, if if black people hang with black people and never have conversations with white people and white people stay in the circles of white people and never step into the circles of black people, we're never going to learn because we're doing the same things over and over. So until we can shake up the ideals of my group, my people, my circles, uh, my silos, we, we're never going to learn because we're never – uh, stretching the imagination of where we can be to learn what others are doing and have dialogue, real conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, it may hurt my feelings, but okay, now I see why you, you do what you do or, yeah. you know, to make that change. Um, I kind of had a conversation with another media outlet the other day because her approach in her email to me was, I've been doing it this way for so long. And I said, well, here's my perspective on how that came to me. Because I was, it took me two days to respond because I was really mad. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, you know, when you think about it, and in her mind, she wants to be ethical in all things she does, journalism. Yeah. And I said, now you have my perspective. You're not wrong. You just heard my perspective. And now she hopefully will go back and make the change. So, again, I think to that narrative or that, that sentence on my on my website, it's it's stepping out of the comfort zone of where you are to create the change, to figure out, how we can do better because if not we're just going to keep doing the same thing over, over and over yeah and for me that gets boring so absolutely i think history unfortunately tends to repeat itself and the only way to change that is to try and change your routine and change what you do so yeah. but let's be the generation or let's be the people of 2024 to stop doing it that way we did yeah. it that way last year um you know, another conversation in this community is the the housing crisis. Mm -hmm. And we keep having the same conversations of, okay, what are we going to do? You know, we can't go north because of, what is it, Fort Riley. We can't go west because of K-State. We can't go uh, south because of the river. We can only go out east, right? So until mm -hmm. the powers to be, the people that control the money, the people that are actually uh, wanting to have the conversations and make the change – because, again, I've been doing this for two years now, and we're having the same conversations. Yeah. When are we going right. to make action? Um, and then when you can do that, then we can be better. We can grow. But, you know, until the people that make those decisions really want to make the change for the collective of us all, yeah. um, we, will, we will keep history will repeat itself. Yeah. And then I have a new a question that's not on the list. So, mm -hmm. Katie, here you go. I'm off. I'm off the list now. <laughs> so, um, what advice would you have if there is someone out there who's listening to our podcast that is maybe just starting up with learning about photography, um, and you know, just starting kind of their journey? What advice would you have for them? I'm going to say learning photography. In today's world, uh, you have to 
find the medium that you like, whether that's videography, stills, um, use your iPhone. Uh, there's so many uh, features that the iPhone can do. Um, just have fun with it. And then when you get to a certain point, you know, when you get technical into it, uh, understanding the business side, you know, we spend very little time pressing, pressing the shutter of our cameras than the admin, the paperwork, the business, and kind of as you go down that path, if that's where you want to go, um, kind of where I'm at the point of is having that team, you know, the team of accounting, legal, uh, banking, because it all ties together in where you're, where you're going. Um, but in terms of the early phases, you know, pick up a camera, buy a camera. Um, you can go to pawn shops. You can go to Facebook Marketplace, buy one, enjoy, figure out what it is that you like to do and, and keep at it. And then as you get farther down that path, um, whether you go into the fine art or the photojournalistic or the documentary or the videography or the cinematography, there's tons of areas that you can get into. Just stick with it and, you know, find resources out there to help you and uh, do what it is that you like to do within that respective lane. Awesome. Thank you. And then also about the camera, you said, you know, find one, you know, go and find one. So in the time frame that I've known you, you have kind of changed what gear you use. Is that just become something like you're just kind of figuring out still yourself what you like to use or, you know, what's, or is it like, is it just purely based on where you're at with what you're doing? That's a good question. I didn't realize you had observed that, but uh, <laughs> for noticing. Yeah, you're right. Uh, during uh, 2020, 2019, I was using uh, Nikons and Sonys. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, they're, they're great tools um, to do what all the things that I needed to do. Um, as a colleague said, you know, some of these new technical cameras can <clears throat> feel like uh, cockpits of airplanes because there's so many different things you can do. You can track eyeballs, you can track movement, you can track zones, uh, all of the features. And, you know, coming back to Leica, uh, these, what people would describe as old fashioned cameras, um, <laughs> they, they are, they're more intimate. Uh, they can allow you to get in closer without intimidating people with a longer lens. Um, you know, it looks small, but this one right here is just a film camera. It's got some black and white tracks loaded in here. Um, but my other ones, you know, one is color. It can do 60 megapixels, and the other one's black and white. So I don't have to convert anything. I can kind of see it as it's happening. And it's just a, a different feel. It slows me down. Um, yeah. Because it, every Leica that I own is manual focus. So uh, I don't have autofocus. So I'm having to slow myself down to compose an image the way I want. So for me, it just was a way of slowing myself down. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I do kind of observe different things and I tend to pay attention to like details that don't make sense to other people. (laughs) So yeah, I just kind of noticing like other people's choice of equipment when for myself and what I do um, has been based on what's available by my employers is how I've been, you know, mostly what I use is what's mm-hmm. been provided to me by my yeah. employment. So, Absolutely. And that was kind of what I did, too. You know, again, early on in business, you uh, understand where you need to be in business to be competitive in your space. And, of course, you, you know, get business loans and do what you do to get your equipment and 
um, again, I realized for myself I wanted to slow down and be more intimate in my work, and I couldn't do that. Excuse me, in my uh, <laughs> in my in the way I was shooting with Sony's. Gotcha. Um, I don't think I have any other questions other than uh, where can people find <coughs> out more info and keep up with your work? Yeah, I guess I can say on this radio show, um, officially, uh, I will be represented by Bill Hall out of Kansas City um, from my archives. Um, he and I met last year and kept the conversation together and... Um, so he will represent me as an artist rep in the um, in the space where I can sell prints and uh, work with him and my bodies of work to get into more museums okay. um, officially. Uh, but you can also find me at social media at 400 North Creative. And then my website is uh, 400 North Creative as well. All right. Well, again, Doug, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your perspective uh, we really appreciate the conversation. Yes, thank you so much. Of course. I mean, you know, we've kind of traveled around, been at, you know, different events together, but yeah, getting to know more about you has been a great experience today. Well, thank you, ladies. Uh, thank you for what you do. It is cool to see women in journalism. Um, I respect it. I appreciate it. It's a different perspective um, that we all need. Um, and good ethical journalism uh, again yes we have been shoulder to shoulder so i appreciate appreciate you and i'm glad that um, we've kept our working relationship and uh that's why i was like of course i'll come and talk to you <laughs> yeah absolutely well awesome. thank you so much and we will see you guys next time Right, Becky, tell us what is going on this week. What's going on in the news? Well, Katie, today we actually have um, a huge event here at K-State. Um, at 11.30, Governor Laura Kelly will be giving the Landon Lecture. Mm-hmm. That is going to be at the K-State Student Union in the Forum Hall. And that's free to attend. Like anybody in yep. the community that wants to go can show up and come in and be able to watch the. Absolutely, completely free. Yeah. Uh, I've been to a few Landon lectures while I was at K State, and they're pretty good. They always have good speakers. Um, and so I think Governor Kelly, she's talking about um, health in the state of Kansas. So that will be really interesting to listen to and. Um, hear what she has to say so yeah definitely and the doors do open to the public at 11 Mm a.m so if you're interested in going um, 11 o'clock you can get in find that seat and if you're not able to make it there in person I know they are planning to have that live streamed as well absolutely and we'll have that on littleapplepost.com for people to find if you're not able to get there yep so that is today at 11 Uh, if you can't quite catch this before then you can always catch it on little apple post or i think k-state will probably have the live stream somewhere yeah definitely and we'll have that um video available as long as k-state has it posted like you can rewatch the recording of it so if you do happen to miss it uh also k-state rodeo's final performances in weber arena are this weekend so the opening performance was last night but there is still a plenty more to come Tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so that's very exciting. R.I.P. Weber Hall. Yes. Um, 
Got a few classes in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one thing to keep in mind this year that they've changed from previous years mm-hmm. is there are not tickets available at the door. You right. have to buy them ahead of time. Um, call hall will be open selling tickets until they run out. That doesn't mean that there will be tickets all the way up until performance time. But yeah. That is an option. Um, we have a full list of where the tickets can be found. Uh, if you go to littleapplepost.com, there is a link about K-State Rodeo in there with more information. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're curious about uh, the K-State Rodeo athletes, there's also a bunch of athlete bios. We've done some features uh, leading up to the rodeo this week on Little Apple Post, so you can check those out as well and see who's competing. Yeah, you just go to the sports tab and there's a drop down for K-State Rodeo. So right there you can find all that information. Yep. All and right. And then also Saturday, uh, Saturday the farmer's market is going to be open, I believe, 9A to 1P. Yeah, as far as I know, we're still on those winter hours. So definitely can go and find that, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, find mm-hmm. those homemade goods, get everything you might need for your upcoming week. And then get whatever you're missing from your grocery store that you prefer and absolutely support local by going super local with those farmers markets yes 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 also saturday you can see andrea twice in one day a&h farms is hosting the big deal event on saturday uh the 17th and also sunday the 18th uh celebrating all things pickles so if you are a pickle lover this is the event for you yeah even saw where they're gonna have not only fried pickles which honestly are yeah my absolute Amazing. favorite. Dip them in some ranch and they're just like the best thing ever. They're also going to have pickle cookies. Okay. So that's just kind of an intriguing thing for me is what the heck is a pickle cookie? So I guess <laughs> I might have to make the trip out and figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Or one of you could figure it out for me and then let me know. You know? <laughs> Becky, you can't be scared to try it. It's pickles. That's true. It is pickles. So um, also... Coming up on Sunday, Arrow Cocktail Lounge is hosting a winter farm-to-table dinner. They're going to have delicious farm-fresh foods from the Pickle Lily Farms. And then also, obviously, they're going to have their own beverages that go along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it sounds like it should be a very delicious time. Just something different for you to try. Yeah. Another reason to get out of the house, you know. Very cool. Okay. Uh, then next Thursday, the 22nd, Liquid Art Winery is going to host a game night. Very fun. A variety of board games are going to be provided as well as bar food and access to the barrel room cocktail menu. So that is interesting. Yeah, it should be. And they said, um, you know, while they are providing a variety of games, if you have a favorite game that you want to bring along just to make sure you've got that game that your group wants to be able to play, you can bring in your own game and still be able to enjoy the the platter of okay. bar food and the atmosphere there. So, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a very much a board game person, so that's really cool. Yeah, and then um, tickets tickets are required for that. Yes, yeah. they are. Um, there is information about that going to if you go on Little Apple Post to the community calendar, which is under located under the More tab. Um, they'll be you can click on the link for game night it'll take you to their information and it'll have a link for purchasing tickets for that there as well amazing yeah and then also coming up next weekend on saturday the 24th and sunday the 25th the manhattan library association is having their annual book sale so all of you book lovers those of you who still like to have that physical book to read now's your chance you can get books 
that are less than what you would get them at retail. Yes, they're gently used or well-loved, whichever <laughs> way you would like to look at it. Yes. Um, but you can add to your collection for a much less expensive price that way. Takes me back to elementary school. Book and, sales. Yeah, and though, the other cool part about it mm-hmm. is all the money they raise from this goes to support the library's programs like purchasing new books, special events for kids, their summer oh. reading program, just, you know, different things around the library. That's, That's what awesome. that helps to support. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, if you're, if you've been looking for a book or um, have been eyeing something special, definitely go to take a look so uh then we move to next saturday uh the 24th uh in the evening finn's neighborhood pub is going to be featuring papa dom uh with a full-length dj set right so papa dom actually most recently um opened the new year's eve festivities at finn's did mm-hmm. an amazing job and um he gets to do the whole night worth of entertainment this on the Saturday the 24th um many of you may know Papa Dom from his air guitar performances um that's kind of how I ended up meeting him a couple years ago but yeah does an amazing job at doing DJ uh and mixes and stuff so should be very entertaining a great night to go out and enjoy some time out in the community yeah definitely I think that that's all the news we have uh, for the next couple weeks. Um, Again, thank you to Doug Barrett uh, with 400 North Creative for joining us this week. We really appreciate having you on and having your perspective here as well. Um, We also want to say happy Black History Month uh, for February. Definitely. And then, as always, remember, a locally grown apple a day keeps our community unique in every way. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.